Good evening and welcome to Quotes Today by Live Law. This is your host Urvashi Chauhan bringing you the latest updates on the legal front. This is your go-to source for all things legal. Let us start. The Supreme Court today issued directives regarding cremation of bodies of tribals who perished in the Manipur ethnic violence. You already know about the ethnic clashes in the state between the Mitei and the Kuki communities in May this year. The CJI today drew attention of the parties to the report submitted by the committee which was appointed by the Supreme Court. According to the report, among the 175 bodies in mortuaries, 169 were identified with 81 claimed and 88 unclaimed. The Manipur government designated nine sites for burial or the cremation. According to the report, certain civil society organizations in Manipur were trying to escalate ethnic tensions by asking people not to claim the dead bodies. The court today also witnessed some heated exchange between senior advocate Colin Gonzalez and the Solicitor General. Gonzalez told the bench that a meeting had taken place between the officials of the centre, the state and tribal groups in which some consensus was reached. He requested the bench to defer the passing of any direction so that the issue could be resolved through consensus. The SG alleged that the organisations were stirring up trouble though the next of the kin of the victims were ready to receive the bodies. CJ Chandrachud orally said that he could not accept an obstructionist approach against the burial of the bodies and will not allow to keep the pot boiling over the dead bodies. Accordingly, the bench also comprising Justices J.B. Pardewala and Manoj Mishra issued directions for cremation. The Supreme Court today issued notice in a plea filed by State of Andhra Pradesh challenging regular bail granted to former Chief Minister of the State N. Chandrababu Naidu in the skill development scam case. A bench of Justices Bela M. Trivedi and Satish Chandra Sharma was hearing the State of Andhra Pradesh's SLP challenging the High Court's order which granted regular bail to Naidu last week. As you know, Naidu was arrested in connection with this case on 9th September by the state CID and was in custody till he was directed to be released on bail. Although the bench today adjourned the proceedings until after the delivery of the judgment in Naidu's plea seeking quashing of FIR in this case, it agreed to issue notice. Not only did the court accede to Andhra Pradesh government's request to issue notice, but it also directed continuation of a bail condition urging Naidu from speaking about sub-judice matters arising out of this case in the public domain. However, the court refused to impose the other bail condition prohibiting him from organizing or participating in political rallies or meetings. The matter will now be listed on 11th December. Stay tuned. The Supreme Court today refused to grant Tamil Nadu Minister and DMK leader Senthil Balaji bail on medical grounds. As you know, Balaji was arrested by the Enforcement Directorate in June this year in connection with cash for job money laundering case. A bench of Justices Bela M. Trivedi and Justice Satish Chandra Sharma was hearing an SLP against an order of the Madras High Court dismissing Balaji's application for bail on medical grounds. During the hearing today, Balaji, represented by senior advocate Mukul Rohtagi, urged the court to allow the application, citing a chronic lacunar infraction. However, this argument was met with scepticism from the bench, as Justice Trivedi said that the same could be cured by medication. 
Rothagi then argued that the need for hospitalization of a prisoner was not a prerequisite for granting medical bail under the law. Objecting to this, the Solicitor General said that 70% of inmates would be sick if such interpretation was followed. The court suggested that Balaji should apply for regular bail. Ultimately, Rohtagi agreed to withdraw the bail petition. He also urged the court to clarify that the High Court's observations saying that Balaji is a flight risk should not come in the way of his application for regular bail, to which the court agreed. And now an update on the tug of war between the Delhi Lieutenant Governor and the Delhi government over appointment of Delhi's Chief Secretary. Last Friday, the court had recommended a unique solution to solve the problem, that the Delhi LG and the Union government could propose a panel of names for the post of uh, Chief Secretary and the Delhi government could choose one name from the panel. However, today, the Solicitor General Tushar Mehta appearing for the central government stated that it planned on extending the tenure of the existing Chief Secretary, Naresh Kumar, who is due to retire on November 30th. The bench comprising C.J. Chandrachur, Justice J.B. Pardewala and Justice Manoj Mishra asked the central government if it was stuck on one person as a Chief Secretary to the Delhi government. Senior advocate Abhishek Manusingvi, appearing for the Delhi government, vehemently opposed the suggestion, stating that there existed an absolute lack of faith between the current chief secretary and the Delhi government. He also referred to the Government of NCT Amendment Act 2023, which has been referred to a constitution bench for review. He asserted that there was nothing specific in the new act which dealt with the post of chief secretary. Against this, the SG submitted that the chief secretary fell within the express domain of the central government as per the new act. When the court questioned if the government was stuck with one person, the SG said that there were several administrative reasons for the same. The matter will again be taken up tomorrow. Stay tuned. Arts, music, sports, culture and dance are activities which rise above nationalities, cultures and nations and truly bring about peace, unity and harmony in nation and between nations. In spite of that, nationalism sometimes is considered above everything else. There have been incidents where certain groups called for boycott of Pakistani artists and performers in India, particularly in the aftermath of cross-border conflicts. The Supreme Court today refused to entertain a petition seeking to ban the engagement of Pakistani artists in India. A bench comprising Justices Sanjeev Khanna and SVN Bhatti was hearing a petition filed by a Sine worker challenging the Bombay High Court's judgment which dismissed his petition. He sought directions to the Information and Broadcasting Ministry, Ministry of External Affairs and Ministry of Home Affairs for issuance of appropriate notifications imposing a ban and prohibiting the granting of visas to Pakistani artists. It was also contended by the petitioner that if such reliefs are not granted, it would lead to discrimination of Indian artists, cine workers, etc. As similar favorable atmosphere to work is not made available to the Indian artists in Pakistan. 
Apart from this, the petitioner also expressed his apprehension that if the Pakistan cricket team is permitted to play in the ICC Cricket World Cup tournament, which was hosted by India, various persons might misuse the sports event by inviting the Pakistani artists, singers, etc. under the guise of sports, which would threaten job opportunities of Indian artists. But the court rejected the plea and advised the petitioner to not be so narrow-minded. In another update, a Delhi court has sentenced four men to life imprisonment in the murder of journalist Soumya Vishwanathan more than 15 years after she was killed. Vishwanathan was shot dead in September 2008 when she was returning to her home from work in her car late in the night. The Delhi police claimed that the motive behind her murder was robbery. As per the police, the journalist's murder case was cracked after recovery of the weapon used in IT executive Jigisha Ghosh's killing. Additional sessions Judge Ravindra Kumar Pandey of Saket Court sentenced the four convicts to life imprisonment and the fifth convict to simple imprisonment for a period of three years. All convicts have been in custody since March 2009. In October this year, the court had found them guilty for the offences of murder under IPC and other offences under Maharashtra Control of Organised Crime Act. Next, the Madras High Court has stayed operation of summons issued by ED to the district collectors in the sand mining money laundering case. According to the Enforcement Directorate, the proceeds of illegal sand mining in the state over the past one to two years was 4,730 crore and that the revenue made by state government from legal sand mining was 36 crore. According to them, this discrepancy points to a severe case of corruption involving public servants and the sand mafia. Recently, ED issued summon to 10 district collectors in connection with its investigation in the case. The Division Bench of Justice S.S. Sundar and Justice Sundar Mohan was hearing a batch of pleas challenging the summons issued. Yesterday, the state of Tamil Nadu, represented by senior advocate Dushyant Dave, argued that the Mines and Minerals Act was a code in itself and ED did not have any investigative powers under the Act. That power to issue summons was limited to scheduled offences under the PMLA. In the present case, emphasizing that there was no scheduled offence, he said ED had acted outside its powers, which required judicial intervention. On the other hand, ED, represented by additional Solicitor General Sundaration, submitted that the officers were being called only for assisting and that no fishing or roving inquiry was being conducted by the Directorate that none of the petitioners were accused in the case and thus the present petition to stall the investigation should not be allowed. He also submitted that there was rampant illegal mining in the state which were offences under IPC and under Prevention of Corruption Act and the officers were also involved. These were scheduled offences which give jurisdiction to the ED to investigate the issue. Sundaration also argued that the state and its officers were trying to shield possible offenders. It was also submitted that as per Section 50 of the Act, the officer of the directorate was empowered to issue summons to any person, be it a private individual or an office holder. The High Court stayed the operation of the summons issued and granted three weeks' time to the directorate to respond to the case. 
In another update, the Supreme Court today declined to consider a petition advocating for Gujarati to be recognized as an additional language for court hearings in Gujarat High Court. The petition was presented before a division bench comprising Justices Sanjeev Khanna and SVN Bhatti. So after the State Assembly and Cabinet Committee approved the use of Gujarati language in the High Court, the matter was sent to the state's governor. Following her approval, the matter was forwarded to Supreme Court for its comments. In 2012, the Supreme Court, through its decision on the administrative side of the Chief Justice of India, had expressed disapproval regarding the same. The petitioner contested this decision, arguing initially that the Supreme Court had no role in the matter. The PIL also challenged the 1965 resolution of the Cabinet Committee introducing the role of Chief Justice of India in the matter of using regional languages in the High Court. The High Court had rejected the prayer, stating that even a decision of the CGI taken on the administrative side is binding on the High Court and for any kind of dispute regarding the same, the petitioner would have to approach the Supreme Court. During today's proceedings, the Petitioner's Council argued that High Court possesses unlimited jurisdiction and judicial review is a fundamental aspect of the basic structure. Justice Khanna responded that access to justice was not affected by the absence of Gujarati and questioned the significance of the argument made. Despite attempts by the council to convince the bench, Justice Khanna reiterated that the bench was not entitled to entertain the prayer, emphasizing that there was no denial of access to justice. A bench of justices Sanjay Kishan Kaul and Sudhanshu Dholia was today hearing a batch of pleas raising concerns over deteriorating air quality in the Delhi NCR. The court warned the Delhi government that it had to completely comply with its assurance of allocating funds for the regional rapid transit system project. If you remember last week, the court had expressed dissatisfaction with the Delhi government for failing to fulfill its commitment to allocate funds for the project, calling it a gross breach. The government was directed to transfer the funds and at the behest of the council representing the Delhi government, the order was stayed for a week. Today, the court was informed that only a portion of the funds had been disbursed. The court said there could be no question of partial compliance and complete compliance must take place. Let me tell you, this transit system project aims to empower the public through access and aims for balanced and sustainable economic development of the region. It will help in minimizing issues of energy consumption and will have an impact on reducing pollution. Also, let me tell you, these directions today were passed while the bench was hearing a plea filed by environmentalists and lawyer MC Mehta in 1985 seeking the court's intervention with respect to environmental pollution in Delhi NCR. This case, the focus of which has extended to different forms of pollution, including air, water and land, has witnessed one of the longest standing continuing mandamus in the field of environmental litigation. And lastly, the Archaeological Survey of India has filed an application before the Varanasi district judge seeking an additional three-week time to file its report on the survey undertaken by them of the Gyan Wapi Mosque in Varanasi. The ASI submitted that their experts are working hard to cross-check, correlate and compile the findings of the survey. 
Let me tell you, this is the fifth time since September that ASI has sought a time extension to file the report. Earlier, the court had directed ASI to submit its survey report by 28th November, that is today. ASI has also submitted that its team is meticulously analyzing all data collected through various scientific studies and field observations and that its field team is also working hard to prepare a detailed and illustrated survey report covering every aspect relating to the survey. This, as you know, is with respect to the scientific survey of the Gyanwapi complex conducted by the ASI to determine if the mosque was constructed over a pre-existing structure of a Hindu temple or not. Thank you for watching. If you wish to know more details about the cases I mentioned here, you can visit our website at www.livelaw.in. Stay ahead with quick legal updates only on Live Law. Do not forget to like, share and subscribe and support us. You can also support us by donating through the thanks button at the bottom of our videos or consider becoming a member at just 89 rupees per month.